Section 4 of Historical Sketches of the Catholic Church in Oregon During the Past Forty Years by Francis Norbert Blanchet. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. On the 11th, the Great Hill appeared with its long circuits in zigzags to facilitate the steepness of its descent. We descended it in three hours, the first part on horseback, the second on foot, and the third part on horseback again after which the caravan rested for some hours on a beautiful bush prairie the first portion of the large field we were sent to cultivate we took possession of it and consecrated ourselves to its cultivation we crossed the portage river eight times thus we made four leagues in five and a half hours on the next day our riding horses walked two leagues in four and a half hours through the mud holes of the great timber point it took the laden animals eight hours to make that distance because they had to be unloaded and loaded again every now and then on the thirteenth the travelling was easier and more agreeable having walked for six hours and crossed several points of woods and hills we reached boat encampment on the right shore of the columbia and portage river some distance below its junction with the canoe river flowing from the north we had come down the west slope of the mountains in three days we were thirteen and a half leagues from punchbowl forty-one from jaspers forty-five from the entrance of the rocky mountains of which the range seems to continue up to the head of the lakes fifty-five leagues further below the columbia has its source fifty leagues on the south from the boat's encampment it abruptly turns to the west hence the name of big bend is given to this curve it then flows southwest down to the spokane river below colville then northwest to okanagan thence southwest to walula thence west to vancouver thence northwest to Calitz, thence west to the pacific ocean this rapid river about sixty yards wide at big bend which rolls its swollen waters amidst numberless dangers and was to offer us in its rapids its whirlpools its dalles its falls its abysses a thousand more dangers than all the rivers we had yet navigated was now before us we had now to encounter its dangers and we were ready to meet them on the fourteenth it being a sunday the holy sacrifice of mass was celebrated to consecrate us to the queen of angels and beg her to take us under her protection it was the first mass celebrated on the territory of our mission at one and a half p m the boats were loaded the prayers having been said on the shore we shook hands with our travelling companions whom we quitted alas never to meet again and we began to sail having travelled ten leagues in three and a half hours we camped in the middle of the rocks and towards dusk went down some bad places to choose a better site on the fifteenth the grand and famous dalles of the dead appeared it seems to be but twenty yards wide what makes it dangerous is the curved form or elbow of high perpendicular rocks against which the whole body of water rushes hence the fury of the waves and the necessity to pass close by the opposite shore here we had to leave the boats to carry off everything 
the barge is then conducted by eight men six at the oars and one at each extremity as pilots with long and wide paddles in that way the dalles of the dead was passed without much danger the little dalles below thirty yards wide were also fortunately run down with loaded boats we also went through three big rapids and thirty smaller ones besides a strong continuous current and abysses which threatened the unskilful travellers my barge broke open in the morning during the fog on a hidden rock which put us into great danger my companion was in the other barge the river which from the barge's encampment looks as a canal cut through the mountains began to flow towards evening in a less mountainous country in this canal the horizon always appears on a level with the top of the trees of the following rapids and the high walls of rocks now crowned with forests and then beautiful rows of willows terminate at every rapid by a fall or a kind of step making a real amphitheatre it is a grand magnificent and delighting sight but the dangers offered by the canal prevented our enjoying it on that day we had travelled forty leagues on tuesday the sixteenth having made five leagues in two and a half hours we reached at eight and a half a m the house of the lakes two hours after one of our boats went back to the barge's encampment to fetch down the third of our companions we had left there for want of room the other boat started for vancouver with the express it took six days to the first to go up the fifty-five leagues which separated us from them she arrived there on the twenty-first next day she started down got filled with water at the dalles of the dead was emptied but again filled in the following dal she was going ashore when some one jumping in the water upset her hence the loss of twelve persons out of the twenty-six who mounted her it was about dusk when this calamity occurred the broken barge went on her way the following day and arrived on the twenty fourth in the morning at our camp great was the consternation at this news an express was sent to colville for a boat and some provisions the other one was repaired and went back to the unfortunate spot to bring the drowned bodies down that accident detained us eighteen days at the house of the lakes this time was spent in instructing the indians who appeared quite docile and well disposed they were sorry not to have the same happiness as their children to be baptized at last on the third of november having performed seventeen baptisms one marriage and buried three drowned children the only bodies found at the foot of a cross erected a few steps from our camp where we celebrated holy mass every day we embarked in two boats upon the waters still keeping in their bosom nine of our companions we crossed the first lake thirteen leagues long and one wide then came the second lake eighteen leagues by two miles below the lakes on the left is the kootenays river which appeared to be three hundred feet wide and four hours distance below the flathead river falling into the columbia through a beautiful fall and only sixty yards wide the ninth rapid below the lakes forms the little dalles where the water passes through a canal one hundred feet wide between high rocks of basaltic columns 
we can say that the rocky mountains extend as far as the lakes below that point they are more scarce and less elevated the day before we arrived at fort colville the want of timber which abounded to the great dalles began to be noticeable after having travelled three days to make seventy-two leagues we reached on the forenoon of the sixth fort colville where we remained three and a half days occupied in celebrating holy mass and in instructing the indians of five nations who assisted with as much respect as if they had been fervent christians having performed nineteen baptisms we left that fort on the tenth and went to camp two miles below in order to avoid the chaudiere's fall which stops navigation at that place on the eleventh in the morning we were travelling upon the columbia which appeared full of dangers the grand rapid appeared twenty others followed on the twelfth we passed the fork of the spokans on the left shore and that of the simpoise on the right on the thirteenth we reached fort okanagan situated on the right shore sixty-four leagues from colville we had travelled that distance in three days passing through innumerable rapids at the most dangerous of which the people had to land in order to lighten the boats we started again on the fourteenth after having baptized fourteen persons celebrated mass and instructed the neighboring indians during the twenty-four hours of our stay at the fort the little river okanagan appeared right away we jumped twelve rapids on that day on the next day the fifteenth a rapid was formed by the rock islands the passengers went ashore and yet it did not prevent the boat carrying our vestments striking a rock and breaking and coming down a cascade she was filling with water as she approached the shore on the fifteenth we saw at a height of one hundred feet in the fissure of a rock a petrified tree whilst jumping the four big rapids of the priest our boat struck on the bottom but did not break below these rapids the high and mountainous shores of the river give place to low and levelled prairies over which the sight can extend with ease on that very day we enjoyed a spectacle of which we had been deprived since we left winnipeg that was the sunset the remainder of this day and also the next we sailed on quiet waters the low shores gave us a chance to see the blue mountains south of walla walla walula and those that go to puget sound or mount rainier we left behind us on the right the yakima river and below and on the left the snake river also called lewis and clark which appeared to be five hundred feet wide on sunday the eighteenth we arrived early in the morning at fort walla walla built on the left bank of the columbia a short distance from the river of that name peter chrysologue pembrum esq in charge of that important fort a catholic received the two missionaries with the greatest cordiality he was born in the parish of vaudreuil district of montreal canada and was formerly lieutenant in the voltigeurs canadians his excellent wife was at the time at fort vancouver with her little girls maria aged twelve ada three and harriet sixteen months and the boys andrew dominic seventeen peter chrysologue fifteen the girls were baptized with their mother on december eighteenth and the father had his marriage blessed on the same day 
it was a beautiful and happy day for me the holy sacrifice of the mass was celebrated after which the chiefs of the cayuses and wallawallas came with their people to see the priests the cayuses were divided into two tribes one of which on the wallawalla river known as wailatpu formed the presbyterian mission established by dr whitman in 1836 the other camp lying on the umatilla river thirty miles hence was under the command of the young chief tomatoi the day was passed in speaking to them of god and religion they were so glad to see the black gowns so long expected there were three baptisms made at this place and on a subsequent visit by rev m demur the young chief brought his child to be baptized by the priest mr pambram having consented to be its godfather which gained for him great blame and displeasure from the doctor since that time the young chief and his band always preferred the priest's prayers before that of the minister on monday the nineteenth we left fort walla walla with its excellent commander the little river walla walla on the left was followed by the umatilla on the same side seven leagues below the fort we leaped the grand rapid without accident from thence we began to see the white summit of mount hood whose base is the cascades range on this day the twentieth our provisions becoming short two horses were purchased for food for which the indians were paid ten dollars apiece the columbia being pretty low at this season of the year our two boats touched the ground in descending the seventh rapid on that day we left the little river john day on the left on wednesday the twenty first we saw the deschutes river on the same side and we approached it on the right side by a narrow channel with great precaution on account of the proximity of the falls here we had a long portage of boats and baggage for a mile the task was made more difficult by a glazed frost the indians at this place who appeared very poor and destitute came to the assistance of the men but not without having been earnestly and incessantly begged a while that portage took us four hours the petite dal little dals so called by the first french canadian voyageurs are about half an hour's march from deschutes we passed them without accident they are a mile long and about two hundred fifty feet wide walled on both sides with basaltic columns with projecting points and recesses which form a canal or dal through which the stream moved with the swiftness of a dart the danger had been null so far but it came on after crossing the dals for our boat being caught by the current of a whirlpool was carried close to a rock where had it struck and broken it would soon have sunk one league further down we found the grand dals so called by the french canadian voyageurs and wascopum by the indians here the columbia is intercepted by a chain of solid rocks through which wonderful to say and see the strong mass of waters have opened a channel to themselves the grand dals are four miles long impracticable in the high water of may and june and passable in the low waters of the fall but even then not without a discharge of person and baggage for the two first miles 
the first part is a canal of about a hundred fifty feet wide walled with basaltic columns of about fifty feet high ending with a platform of about thirty feet broad terminating with other basaltic columns of sixty feet during the high water the swollen columbia passes over the platform in the low waters it only runs through the lower channel projecting points and recesses in the walls form waves and whirlpools very dangerous even for light boats managed by eight men six at the oars and of the two others one at the stern and the other at the prow with long and large paddles used as rudders nevertheless they are never passed without dread the two first miles were run in ten minutes during the middle waters the whirlpools are very dangerous i was told that several years ago a boat was caught by one of them which soon disappeared in its large and deep funnel after crossing the grand dalles we saw on the left the buildings of the methodist missions for the indians established in eighteen thirty seven on tuesday the twenty second we passed the great rock of the dead from the dalles to the cascades our navigation was quiet and pleasant on the smooth water of the columbia bordered on both sides with picturesque mountains on friday the twenty-third we reached the cascades which stops the navigation for four miles and requires the portage of the baggage but they are far from being what their name indicates a series of cascades for the two first miles they are simply a big rapid passing between the contracted banks of the river followed by a swift current a wavering water along the shore of the river on the left while the unloaded boats can be brought down with a line along the shore of the right bank for the first two miles then partly laden they ran the last two miles with oars we reached the upper cascades with great care and early enough before noon to make the long portage on the same day and encamp at the lower cascades on saturday the twenty fourth we went on with sail and oars we left on our right the high rock called cape horn by the travellers on account of wind and storm often prevailing there we passed many islands and when approaching fort vancouver the boats went ashore to allow the travellers to make their toilets and soon after we were at the end of our long journey at five p m we experienced cold from colville to the grand dalles it was so severe some days as to form ice on the oars of the men some evenings we found the ground covered with three or four inches of snow which we had to remove to pitch our tents some nights the cold was nine degrees of romeur such nights as we passed under a tent at some distance from a scanty fire on account of the scarcity of driftwood to be found on the shore were far from being pleasant at deschutes portage the ground was covered with a hard glazed frost the ecclesiastical soutane or cassock of priests which is the type of the seamless coat of christ and of his church and the glorious habit of the clergy of canada was worn by us all the time during our long journey from canada to oregon and since our arrival it was then easy for the canadians to recognize their priests and the indians the black gowns announced to them this practice we will continue to observe at home and abroad at fort vancouver we were forty leagues from the ocean twenty from the cascades forty from the dalles a hundred forty five from okanagan 
209 from Colville, 287 from the House of the Lakes, 342 from Big Bend, and 355 from Punchbowl. In closing this long letter, I beg to be allowed to refer your lordship to a general report of our reception at Fort Vancouver and our missionary labors. Please bless your two missionaries in the great far west, their flock and their labors, and accept the homage of the sentiments of veneration with which I have the honor to be, my lord, of your lordship the most humble and obedient servant, F. N. Blanchet, V. G. Arrival and Reception of the Missionaries at Fort Vancouver The two missionaries being anxious to reach the destination of their long and arduous journey, the brigade started from Fort Walla Walla, now Walula, on Monday morning, November 19th, reaching Fort Vancouver on the following Saturday, after a week's slow and tedious descent of the Columbia River. The same distance is now travelled by steamboats in two days. When the flotilla appeared in sight, as it made its way down the Columbia, all was excitement at the fort, where news had already been received of the calamity which had occurred to the party, and the consequent loss of life. All the populace rushed to the river bank in order to feast their eyes on the first Catholic missionaries, whose presence they had long expected. Prominent among the assembly stood James Douglas, who was acting chief factor and governor of the establishments of the Hudson's Bay Company west of the Rocky Mountains, in the absence of Dr. John McLaughlin, who was then absent on a visit to Canada and England. He was the first to welcome the missionaries to the scene of their future labors, conducting them to the fort, where the flag was flying in honor of their arrival. The governor ushered them to apartments prepared for them, appointed a servant to wait on them, and in every way manifested his hospitality and his delight at their arrival. No sooner had the missionaries reached the fort than they were waited upon by Joseph Gervais, Etienne Lucier, and Pierre Belec, a delegation representing the Canadians of the Walmette Valley, who, having heard that the missionaries were coming, had left their homes in a body in order to greet the long-looked-for Catholic missionaries on their arrival at Fort Vancouver. But nearly all of them had been obliged to return home in consequence of the delayed arrival of the missionaries through the disaster at the Dal of the Dead, leaving the missionaries located at Vancouver there to return thanks to God for having preserved them through their long and arduous journey let us gleam from contemporaneous history a sketch of fort vancouver as it then existed we copy from the oregon territory by rev c g nicolay and issued in london in eighteen forty six describing the forts of the hudson's bay company that writer says of all the forts vancouver is now the principal here dr mclaughlin the governor of the territory resides and here is the principal depot of the company in which all the goods brought from england and furs collected in the interior are warehoused it is indeed the emporium of trade from kanchapka to california the fort is in shape a parallelogram about two hundred and fifty yards long by a hundred and fifty broad enclosed by a sort of wooden wall made of pickets or large beams firmly fixed in the ground and closely fitted together twenty feet high and strongly secured on the inside by buttresses the area is cultivated and surrounded by houses and offices 
the governor's residence being in the centre there is a chapel and school the officers of the company dine together in the common hall the governor presiding but it has been remarked that the absence of their wives and the females of the establishment from the table does not contribute to the refinement of manners there is also a public bachelor's hall where after dinner the time is passed in conversation and smoking but the latter is said to be declining as a habit the hospitality of fort vancouver and its governor has been highly praised especially by american writers it should seem not without good reason and the general feeling of regret at leaving the society it affords speaks much in praise of the officers of the company not less than the good cheer of the governor beyond the fort are large granaries and storehouses and before it on the bank of the river is the village in which the servants of the company reside in all the residents may be seven hundred in the village is a hospital attached to fort vancouver is a magnificent farm of more than three thousand acres sawmills cutting many hundred thousand feet per annum grist mills and every other requisite for commerce and agriculture vessels of fourteen feet draught can come abreast of it at low water says lieutenant wilkes and at the store of the company every necessary can be supplied as cheap as in the united states this however must be taken with considerable limitation and refers probably to the english goods in particular from hence the company carries on a lucrative trade with california the sandwich islands and the russian settlements besides its exports to england the company's servants are principally scotch and canadians but there is also a great number of half-breeds children of the company's servants and indian women these are generally a well-featured race ingenious athletic and remarkably good horsemen the men make excellent trappers and the women who frequently marry officers of the company make clever faithful and attentive wives they are ingenious needlewomen and good managers they frequently attend their husbands on their trading excursions in which they are most useful they retain some peculiarities of their indian ancestors among which is the not unfrequent use of the moccasin though usually it is made of ornamented cloth instead of deerskin the approach to this the principal establishment of the hudson's bay company in the west gives the stranger a high idea of its prosperity and importance the thickly peopled village the highly cultivated fields the absence of all guards and defences the guns of the fort having long since been dismounted the civilized appearance of its interior and the activity and energy which prevails the noble river here seventeen hundred yards wide on which perhaps some of the company's vessels brigs or steamers well appointed manned and armed are at anchor and these are heightened in the effect by the magnificent scenery by which it is surrounded the noble woods flanking the mighty stream and backed by lofty mountains the snow-covered peaks of mount hood and mount st helens towering over all while the wild flowers and fruits in their season carpet the ground in wild luxuriance this fort was established by governor simpson in eighteen twenty four and its present importance justified his selection of its site here is and doubtless will continue the chief trade of western america 
until the increasing demands of commerce and national industry transport it to the shores of juan de fuca straits and admiralty inlet and even then as the only naval and mercantile station in south oregon and as receiving the trade of all branches of the columbia and having immediate and rapid connection with puget's sound by the cowlitz and nisqually and with gray's harbor by the chicalis thus connecting the great fresh water with the great salt water navigation the columbia with the strait of fuca it will occupy only the second place sir h pelly in his letter to lord glenelg in eighteen thirty seven gives this account of the state of the company the company now occupy the country between the rocky mountains and the pacific by six permanent establishments on the coast sixteen in the interior country besides several migratory and hunting parties and they maintain a marine of six armed vessels and a steam vessel on the coast their principal establishment and depot for the trade of the coast and interior is situated ninety miles from the pacific on the northern bank of the columbia and called vancouver in honor of that celebrated navigator and in the neighborhood they have large pasture and grain farms affording most abundantly every species of agricultural produce and maintaining large herds of stock of every description these have been gradually established and it is the intention of the company still further not only to augment and increase them and to establish an export trade in wool tallow hides and other things but to encourage the settlement of their retired servants and the immigrants under their protection and he asserts further that the soil climate and other circumstances of the country are as much if not more adapted to agricultural purposes than any other spot in america end of section four